Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Spirit of where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Pirkei Avis Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. Okay, today's Mishnah is chapter three, Mishnah six. And you'll immediately find it fascinating. The Mishnah says, Rabbi Chalafti Ishkvar Hananya Omer, Asara Shiyoshvin Vaoskin Batara. If you have 10 people that are sitting and involved in Torah, the divine presence is amongst them. As it says, and it brings a proof text so that we understand that the Shechina is amongst them. That God is there in an Adaskel, in a congregation of God. And how do we know that even five, this would be true? Shenamar, as it says, that his aguda, his gathering or group, which we'll see later why that's five, al eretz yisada, was established on the ground, on the land. And how do I know that even three that are gathered together to learn Torah, Shenamar, as it says, Bekerev Elokim Yishpot, Yishpot, judgment, which is done in a group of three, so in a Bezdin of three, and therefore I know that three, the Shechina, the Divine Presence is there. How do I know that even two? Shenamar az nidbu yirei Hashem ish el reihu vayakshev Hashem vayishma. That when we speak to each other, when a man speaks to his friend, so then Hashem hears and and God pays attention and he hears. Uminayin afilu echad says the Mishnah. And how do I know that even one that God the Shechina the Divine Presence is there? Shenamar as we say b'chol amakom asher askir es shmi that any place where my name is mentioned, I will come and I will bless you. Okay. The, the problems, I think, are obvious. The first problem, I think, that we have to point out is, is that for those that have been learning through the entire parak, this seems to be a subtle theme that keeps running through, that three people that are sitting together two people that are sitting together. And, and we seem to, to keep running into this idea of, of, shnaiv, of sitting together and having the divrei Torah, having the words of Torah with them. This is not the first time that we're finding this. This is actually the third time. We have sitting together, we have eating together, and now we have learning Torah together. It's the third time that we're mentioning the same concept. If I didn't get the idea from the first one, what's the assumption I'm going to get the idea now after number three? What is, what's the message that the mission is trying to send me in what seems to be merely only but just a repetition of the things that have gone, things that have gone on? 
That's problem number one. Problem number two, look at the Mishnah very carefully. If you tell me that the Shekhinah is with one, then why do I have to also talk about the fact that the Shekhinah is with ten? If the divine presence can be engendered, can be brought into a place because of one person, then it can zikr be brought into a place because of ten. Why is it necessary to mention ten if I've already proven, and I have a proof text, it's not even something that I'm inventing. I have a proof text. Why isn't it enough to say that God is there with every single individual and human being? Now, I don't believe that the mission is merely trying to tell me that there is godliness when 10 people are learning Torah, when five people are learning Torah, when three people are learning Torah. Again, I believe that that's something that is obvious. It's something that anybody can know. You can feel the presence of God. You know that. We know that there's a concept of a minion. There's a Gemara and Brachas on Davav, which talks about what it, it talks about the same kind of idea, but talks about it in terms of davening, in terms of praying. We know that with 10, 10 of a kayak to be able to bring the Shina, which we'll talk about in a minute. But if that's the case, what's the real message of this Mishnah? What does this Mishnah want me to walk away with? Okay. So I think that the first thing that we need to do is to talk for a brief moment about what is Hashras Hashchina? What is the, this divine presence that we say that the divine presence rests on the Jewish people and until the divine presence rests on the Jewish people, the Jewish people aren't complete. We know that when they built the Mishkan, when they built the tabernacle, we know that at Sinai at Mount Sinai, there was a Hashras Hashchina there was, a, there was a, a resting of the divine presence. There was a spreading of the divine presence. That God, God revealed himself to us. There was really a gilui hashchina. That it was a revelation of God at Mount Sinai. That same revelation took place in the Mishkan, in the tabernacle. We know that the Kedush of Harsinai was transferred over to the tabernacle and eventually was transferred over to the Beis HaMikdash. That it became the place that we were able to see and connect to God. We know Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. We say that from Zion shall go forth Torah. And if you look at that Pasuk very carefully, what do you mean from Zion shall go forth Torah? As far as I know, it's from Sinai shall go forth Torah. Yet we say every Shabbos when we take out the Torah, we say Kimitzion Tetzei Torah. Because once the Mishkan was built, the transference of that Shechina, of that source of Shechina, that source of divinity in this world, that source of Ruchnius, of spirituality in the world, it, it transferred from Harsinai and it transferred over to the Mishkan. It transferred over to the, um, to the tabernacle. So what exactly we understand that this Hashras Hashchina, that this, um, this divine presence was the center place in the world that we had the ability to be able to feel the largest concentration of God, which then went out and emanated to the rest of the world. We're going to learn a Mishnah later that is going to talk about the 10 miracles that happened every day in the temple. Yesterday, I had the great schus to be by a chasana, to be by a wedding in the, on the Tayelet in Talpiot, which is an overlook to the, to, and you, can, you, you overlook the Temple Mount and where the Beis HaMikdash used to be. And when you stand and stare at it for a few minutes, you can see the Beis Hamikdash there. It's not, it's, it's, not, it's not just that you see, you know, the golden yarmulke, 
but you have the you if you have if you have good eyes, you can actually see in that golden yarmulke the beginning of the building of the Beis Hamikdash. You can see already the foundations of the Beis Hamikdash that are there, and it's a very inspiring it's a very inspiring view and a very inspiring look. And you can think back, try to transport yourself backwards to what it must have been like in the time of the Beis Hamikdash, when you crested that mountain, and you came towards the Beis Hamikdash. What you saw was you saw a cloud that was like a pillar, like a column, but it was made of a cloud that emanated from the center of the Beis HaMikdash, from the Mizbeach, from the altar, and it went all the way up to the heavens. I want you to imagine on the most miserable day in Yerushalayim, when the winds are howling and the rain is coming, you would imagine that a cloud like that would dissipate. 365 days a year, that cloud was like a strong column that was made of marble. It never moved, it never deviated, it never blew. It was there every single day. And here you were miles away from the Beis HaMikdash. You saw that cloud and you knew that God was there. You didn't have any kind of any kind of seminar that proved to you the existence of God. There were no codes of the Torah. You didn't have to have any kind of any kind of external stimulus that that told you, oh yes, God is really in the world. All you had to do was go to the Beis Hamikdash, and you didn't even have to get into the Beis Hamikdash. All you had to do was to see it from afar, and God was clear. That's the Shechina. That's the divine presence. God says, "Vyasuli Mikdash, make for me a holy place." Make for me a sanctuary, a place where I and you will be elevated. And I will be able to dwell inside of you. The Shekhinah is the dwelling of God, and it ultimately is able to, to enter into each and every individual. We have the ability to be able to bring the Shekhinah, the divine presence, into this world. Our Bateknesios, our synagogues, are Mikdoshe Ma'at. They are mini sanctuaries. And if in the sanctuary the divine presence rested, if on the other side of the Kaisel, now, after the destruction of the temple, we say that the Shekhinah, the divine presence, promised that it would never leave the Jewish people and it would never leave the Temple Mount. In every single, in every single base Knesses, that we say that when the Mikdash was destroyed, the Medr says that the stones of the Churban rolled all around the world. And everywhere where those stones stopped, that's where a Beit Knesset, that's where a synagogue was eventually built. And throughout our history, everywhere that a synagogue goes up, we believe that that's where the stones of the Beis HaMikdash went to that place, rolled to that place. What it means metaphorically is that the Kedusha that was in the Beis HaMikdash, a spark of that Kedusha, exists in that Makom, in that place, and that is the basis, that's the foundation of that Mikdash Ma'at, of that mini-sanctuary. That's the reason why when you walk into a Beis HaMikdash, in the Beis HaKnesses, no matter where you are in the world, you're walking into a piece of the Beis HaMikdash, you're walking into a piece of Eretz Yisrael. You're walking into Kedushas Ha'aretz, because you're able to taste a little bit of the Kedusha that emanated ultimately from the Beis HaMikdash, and you can feel that sense of the presence of God. You can feel that sense of that emanation of the master of the universe. We have the ability to be able to bring that into our world. 
One of the reasons, this is a bit of an aside, but one of the reasons that our rabbis have given in every single generation that destruction has happened so severely to our Bate Knesios and to our Bate Midrashos is because the respect that is needed to be given to them has not always been given to them. One of the things that came out of Corona, I, no one, no one with, with, with half a brain will say that the reason that Corona happened is because we're not showing cover to our Bate Mikdashos. But it certainly does, having our Bate Knesio shut down, it certainly gives us an opportunity to reassess our relationship with our Beit Knesset, our relationship with our Makom Kadosh, our place of Hashra'as Hashchina, our place of where God's Shechina will dwell. And that that, that though that's not the reason why it happened, but we can reset it, we can relook at it and reassess it and recognize that we need to perhaps do more things to be able to feel that Hashra Sashkina, to be able to feel that spreading of the divine presence inside of our Mikdash Ma'at, our mini temples and sanctuaries. We have the ability to be able to bring that into our world. We have the ability to be able to bring the presence of God. Every mitzvah we do, everything that we do, every Kiddush Hashem that we make, every sanctification of the name of God that we make, every time we establish the presence of God in this world, it is felt by others and it becomes a Hashra's Hashchina. Every Shabbos that we keep, every, everything that we do around the Shabbos table, every tefillah that we say, there is a spark of the divine presence that's brought into this world. But not all divine presences were created equal. There are concentrations of the divine presence of the Shekhinah which bring more of his power and bring more of his presence into the world than others. We know that the Torah tells us in Pashas Bechukosai that when we run after our enemies, five are going to be able to run after a hundred enemies. And then the Torah says that 100 enemies are going to be able to run after 10,000. Now, that was part of the bracha, part of the blessing that was given to the Jewish people. That though in the beginning they were, um, they, 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 they were part of the blessing is, is that five would be able to vanquish 100, but 100 would be able to vanquish 10,000. Now, I'm not really great at math. I never, I never did well in school in math. It's not my forte. I cringe when I get to math gemaras. But be that as it may, I think I get it, that if five is to a hundred, then a hundred is to 2,000, not 10,000. But this could be new math, Torah math, you know, it could be anything. Why would the Torah say that if five could vanquish a hundred, then a hundred can vanquish 10,000? That's not, not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the, that's not the math. No, the principle the Torah is telling us is, is that five, the five can accomplish a tremendous amount. But 20 times five is not 20 times five. 20 times five is exponentially that much greater. When one person does a mitzvah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. When two people do a mitzvah, it's not two people. It's not double one. It's much greater than double one because the energy that comes out of two people together adds much more than that. When you put five together, when you put 10 together, the level of Kedusha, the level of holiness, the level of power and energy that you can bring into this world is that much more incredible. 
And if that's the case, so then there is a concept of strength in numbers. There is a concept that the more we are gathered together, focused on the same thing, the power explodes. That's why we have a concept in halacha called Berov Am Hadras Melech. That if you have an opportunity to do a mitzvah alone, or an opportunity to do a mitzvah in a small kihila, or an opportunity to do certain mitzvahs in greater groups, it's better to choose greater groups. When we're mefarsim enes, when we publicize the miracle of Purim, we say, It's better if you have a choice to go to a small shul or to go to a large shul, and all things remain equal. You don't have an affiliation with one or the other. It's a theoretical thing, but theoretically, if all things remain equal, it's better to go to the larger group because berav am hajas melech. The more people that are gathered together on a mitzvah, the greater power it has. It's not just times ten; it's times hundreds and hundreds because everybody together, the energy of everyone together, is something that that explodes. I say this very often at a chuppah when we get to shavu brachas. Very often by shavu brachas, people have already lost lost their attention. And all they're interested, if they're interested still in the chuppah, is they want to know who's getting those Sheva brachas, right? Which, which guys are getting called up for the Sheva brachas? I always announce that every person would love to recite a bracha to the chasen and kala. But they can't do that because it's not, you know, 560 brachas. It's, it's seven brachas. That's it. But every single person has the ability to be able to give a bracha and the entire kahal, the entire group that's gathered for that wedding, has the ability to be able to deliver this incredibly powerful bracha that is not merely times 200 or 300 guests, but that it is times thousands, because each energy of all the guests together creates this incredible, powerful energy. By answering amen to the bracha, so then it becomes this powerful blessing that is, that is offered, that it's not a blessing of the crowd, it's a blessing of the crowd that is interacting and intermingled and intertwined with each other. What the mission is telling me is that every single number has an ability to be able to bring the Shekhinah, the divine presence into this world in a different kind of way. Ten which is a complete, it's a totality, it's a complete number. Why is the Mishnah teaching me about learning Torah and telling me in the context of learning Torah, as opposed to the other Mishnahs, which talked about speaking in between them or, or, or sitting at a meal? Because we know that's from the day that the temple was destroyed, so Einlo la Kodesh Baruch God only has in His world Dalid Amos Shel Halacha Bilvad. God has the four cubits of Halacha. That's that's where He emanates from. He emanates from His Shechina, His divine presence is brought into this world through the study of Torah, through the sharing of Torah, through the sharing of God Himself. I've mentioned to you before that when it comes to Tfila, Tfila is us speaking to God. And when it comes to learning Torah, it's God speaking to us. And when we speak with God, we converse with Him through His language, the language of Torah, we're able to bring that Shekhinah, the divine presence into this world. When 10 of us are doing it together, there is a totality. We know that every single digit is unique. One, two, three, four, five, until 10. And 10 is the complete unit. 
of every single digit, of every single capability, possibility that exists in the world. Once we get to 11, it's 10 plus 1. It's 10 plus 2, 10 plus 3. 20 is 10 times 2. And it's 10 times 2 plus 1, 10 times 2 plus 3. And each of the each of the tens are really just repetitions. The hundreds are really just repetitions. At the end of the day, there are 10 digits. And those digits create a unique totality. And when we have a total, when we have a group together that is sanctifying God's name, that is sitting and learning Torah and bringing God into the world, that is the strongest emanation that we have today. A hundred that only makes it greater, but it already exists with ten. That Shekhinah, the divine presence, opens is opened up and brought into this world already when the number ten exists. But understand that there are other ways to bring God into the world when we don't have the opportunity to have a minion of people learning Torah together. And that's the number five. We know that when the world was created, the world was created with four elements, with earth, wind, fire, water, and the Spirit of God. And when those five elements were brought together, those five elements created. They were able to bring about the entire Bria. They were able to, to, re, to, to be able to, to, to create things, to bring things into this world, to institute things in this world. When five people are gathered together, and that's the Pasuk that says, Va'agudaso. Va'agudaso doesn't just mean is gathering. Va'agudaso. In Agud is a hand. It's a handful. The handful, the five fingers. The earth, the wind, the fire, the water. The Shechina, the divine presence. When all of that is working together to create, we can bring into this world beautiful, amazing things. But three? Three also has an ability. That in the group of judges, Yishpot, and with God, Yishpot, we will judge. Because when three people are dedicated together to bring MS, to bring truth into this world, the seal of God is truth. And therefore, they have the ability to be able to bring God into this world, the Shechina, the divine presence in his, in his manifestation of truth. Of Emes. And when two people, we know two people, we know a marriage, we know a husband and a wife. The very famous idea that is brought down in so many different places that the word for man is Ish, the word for woman is Isha. It's Aleph and Shin, is the common letters between the two. And the Yud and the He are the letters that are different. If there isn't God in that union, so then it's just ash, it's a fire that consumes. But when there is God, then when there is meaning between them, when there is a real commonality between them, then there is yud hey, there is God. So then that's when they're able to build a home. When you have two people that are able to communicate on the deepest of levels, on the levels of Torah, on the levels of sharing real experiences together, so then between them exists the Yud and the Hey, between them exists the Shechina, the Divine Presence. It's not the same as the Divine Presence that's brought into the world on three. It's not the same as the Divine Presence that's brought with five. It's not the same as the Divine Presence that's brought with ten. But it's nevertheless a presence of God.
and even one person alone, separated, is never alone and separated. We spoke about this this year before Pesach, that so many people were saying, I'm going to be alone for Pesach, I'm going to be alone for the Seder. Not one Jew was alone for the Seder. Because every Jew had the Shekhinah, had the divine presence with him. Because when he's talking with God, he brings God into the world. He brings God into his life. He brings that Nitzitz, that spark of Kedusha, that Shekhinah, that divine presence into this world. And that with the reason why it doesn't just tell us that one person can bring it in, because one person can bring it in, but it's on its level. It's one person. But we have something to strive for. We have something to strive to be with other people, to be with another person, to be with a group of people, to be with five people, and ultimately to be with 10 people so that we can bring the Shekhinah in its most pristine and a most concentrated way into this world. And the message of this Mishnah is, is that don't just live. Live with the idea, don't just exist. Live with the idea that you as an individual can change this world. You can bring so much holiness and kedusha and beauty into this world. If you stay alone, you can do it a little. And if you join with others, the power that you can bring, the kedusha, the holiness, the tara, the purity, the presence of God that you can bring into this world is incredible. Understand that with everything you do, every mitzvah, every observance, every chesed, every kindness, every act of love and care and concern, everything you do to make this world a better, more beautiful place has an incredible impact. And it has the ability to be able to bring the Shekhinah, the divine presence into the world, and the purpose of bringing the divine presence into the world is make for me a sanctuary, a holy place, says God, so that I can dwell inside of each and every one of us, so that God can be inside of our lives and God can be inside of our worlds.